Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God toward which we want to direct our thoughts this morning, the fourth word that Jesus spoke from the cross, taken from John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Dear friends in Christ, <clears throat> to be very blunt, American children are certainly in a lot of trouble, at least a certain amount of children. And the reason why I say this is because according to data that was given by our government, they said and have said that in the year 2022, there were 1.5 million babies born in the United States to unwed mothers. Actually, this has happened for a couple of years now, about that many. It's a simple fact, and, and I'm sorry whatever your situations might be, but the fact of the matter is God created God created children to be, to be uh, in a home where there's a biological father and a biological mother. According to statistics, according to the Bureau of, or the Census Bureau, they say that there are 11 million families that are in existence that don't have both mother and father present. Now, it used to be said that most of those families, those unwed uh, mothers, were teenagers, but that isn't true anymore. In fact, uh, the unwed mothers are now in their 20s. The, the age seems to be going up. And people have been studying this, but I'm not sure that things are being done to remedy it. Number one is this. <clears throat> I repeat that the best environment for a child to live in is where a biological mother and father are present raising their children. But they also discovered something that I find rather amazing, that there are a lot of couple or a lot of, uh, a lot of single moms who stay, want it to stay that way, and it was actually planned to be that way, that they would alone be the mother of their children, and there would be no other parent. In fact, what people are, have discovered is that there's a whole lot of folks who have looked at celebrities, and there are plenty of them who have done exactly that, and they're trying to imitate them. The longer we live, the farther away we get from God's definition of marriage and family. In fact, our own Congress hasn't very, been very good about that either, a definition for marriage. Well, today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some words of Jesus. The fourth thing that he said on the cross, recorded in the scriptures. And this is our theme for the day. Jesus speaks words of care for families. And what are those words of care? He wants people to know, number one, he died for families. Number two, he lived for families. Number three, he set an example for families. 
<coughs> now, uh, John, the one who wrote the words of our sermon text, uh, he was there. He was there. And it was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit moved him to tell us what was going on. And he said that near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Four women had come to the cross, probably terrified and afraid because who knows what was going to happen to them. And yet they were very faithful to the very end. The only disciple that was present was John, at least that we know of. None other is recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And some have pointed out that that's the way it is often. <laughs> that the women are the faithful ones. The women are the faithful ones. And statistics can also bear that out. They've done that in terms of uh, uh, membership in church. Somewhere between 60 and 70% of new members are mothers and their families without death. Without dad. Why is that true? It shouldn't be that way, should it? When, uh, when Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, aren't dads part of the world that God loved? Aren't dads sinners too? Aren't dads ones that need to know the love of Christ and the forgiveness of of Jesus that comes freely and, and all by grace? And don't dads need the guidance of the Holy Scripture? And don't dads need to pray? Something needs to be done about that. There Mary was, beneath the cross, and her son was hung there. We don't hear about Joseph, but it wasn't because he was a deadbeat dad or anything. Most people believe, and I believe, that he had already passed, that he had gone to heaven. So if that's true, and it's likely that it is true, then, uh, then Mary was going through the second time, one of the worst periods in life, when you lose a loved one. And here was her son, there on the cross, hanging from the cross, and uh, she was below. She was watching it all happen. I wonder if she thought back. I wonder if she thought back, uh, you know, 33 years, better than 33 years prior, when the angel Gabriel came to her and told her that she was going to be unlike any other woman who ever lived. Because the angel, uh, angel said that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Blessed are you among women. Of all the women that ever lived, she was the one that was chosen to be the mother of Messiah, of the Savior of the world. She was instructed and, and, uh, and was, uh, the, the prophecy would be fulfilled through her where uh, Jesus' name would be called Jesus, right? Because he would save his people from their sins. Because that's what Jesus means. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. What a blessed privilege. What a blessed, what a blessing. 
she received. And as the life unfolded for Mary and for Jesus, here they were 33 years later, and now Jesus was on the cross, hung there, spikes through the hands and feet, spikes hurting and, 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 and just absolutely consuming her soul, crown of thorns on Jesus' head, torturing his skull, and there was Mary being tortured also in all of her emotions. But you know, the scene, the scene was not to be unexpected. If uh, she also thought back to those early days, 40 years or 30 years, uh, 33 years earlier, on the 40th day after her, uh, his birth, remember what happened? Joseph and Mary went to the temple, and there they met a man. His name was Simeon, a very devout, aged man. A man who was told that he would see the Messiah before he died. And then when they walked into the temple, the spirit guided uh, Simeon to the couple. He took the baby in his arms. And he said some awesome things, among which were these. This child is destined to cause the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That was taking place there on that Good Friday. Can you imagine what Mary must have been going through? We've got families with kids. Some are young children. Many are the very young children. But I would have supposed somewhere down the line, you're probably going to want your children into some kind of activity, like a soccer league or maybe little league. I'm going to warn you about something that happens, and I've seen it. You have a son that goes out on a pitcher's mound. He's got the best arm on the team, and he pitches one after another, after another, after another, but he can't seem to get it into the strike zone. One batter after another, because that's how Little League is. Nobody wants to swing the bat. They either get on by walk or strike out. But these guys are all getting on by walks. And what happens? Parents of the very team members your son is on start mumbling under their breath loud enough for parents to hear. When is coach going to get him out of there? He can't pitch. And then think about the parents on the other team laughing as their sons go walking around the bases. Think of Mary. Think of Mary. There was her son going through all kinds of agony on the cross, convulsing because his muscles were cramping, dehydration, fever, pain, agony. And then there was a people that kept reviling Jesus in their wickedness. Think what Mary went through. Think what Mary went through. And it was at this time that Jesus called out and spoke to his mother and, told, and spoke to that, that disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he's referred to. It's John. And he says, he says this, Dear woman, 
here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And then it says, from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus calls his mother, woman. You know, some people say, wasn't Jesus being disrespectful there? Why was he calling her woman? Why didn't he call her mother? Why didn't he call her mom? A lot of people have given answers to that. Some have said, well, you know, there's Jesus agonizing on the cross. And as he's agonizing on the cross, maybe uh, he's getting weak and, and dehydrating. And, and uh, maybe he's, he's uh, having delusions. And, you know, when people are tired and weak and sick, they say a lot of things. And so instead of saying mother, he said, woman. I can understand that. I've been a pastor and I've gone to see people in the hospital who just had surgery. And you know what? They're not always very pleasant. Had a lady once who had a heart surgery. They replaced her valve inside her heart. Went to see her. She was a lovely lady. Wonderful lady. A dear lady. And I went to see her and she said, Pastor, I don't want you to be here. Just say a prayer and leave. And just leave me alone. Or I could tell you about the 96-year-old man, but I really can't because the language he used, I can't use here. He was suffering. Was that the reason why he called her woman? Some people would say, no, that's not the reason. The reason why he called her woman was because there were Roman soldiers there. They hated Jesus. They pummeled Jesus. They beat him. Maybe if they found out that mom was there, they were going to do something to her. So he called her woman. You know, the reason why he called her woman was because while Jesus was her son and she was his mother, there was another relationship. Mary was a sinner who needed a savior. And Jesus was all of that. Jesus was all of that. The Roman church teaches that, G, uh, that uh, Mary was sinless, but she herself had never said that. In fact, after she had been told that she was going to have this, 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 this once-in-the-lifetime-of-the-world child, the God-man, Jesus the Messiah, Remember, he, she broke out in a song. We put music to it. We call it the Magnificat. And there's a line that, in there that goes like this. My soul praises the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. You see, Mary was just as human as we are. Just as much a sinner as we are. She needed a Savior just as we do. And Jesus was pointing out that relationship. Jesus was her son, but also her savior. Just as he is our brother in the flesh, but God at the same time, our savior. And he came to die for each and every one of us. He came to die for our families, all families. And how important that is. I mean, when you think about your own families, the arguments that you have, the disagreements, the impatience with one another, we need forgiveness. And Jesus supplies it. 
Now, I know that in Jesus' day, and I think sometimes in our day too, and, and I would say I don't think sometimes, it happens a whole lot more than we care to even think. We look at Jesus as being the great provider, you know, and he is. He is the great provider. But what I'm talking about is like what happened there after he uh, fed the 5,000. You know, he broke the bread and he broke the fish and <laughs> just a couple, couple of pieces, a couple of fish and, and a couple, a few loaves of bread and he fed 5,000. What did the people want? In fact, the scriptures tell us what they wanted. They wanted to make him king. In fact, the exact words are, make him a king by force. He could fill every cupboard. People could retire because Jesus was there to give them food and take care of them. Now, understand this. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't provide. And in fact, God wants us to come to him and he wants to provide for us. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Judy and I have six grandkids. And uh, our first grandkid is kind of out there a little bit, about what, four years older than the next one that came along. So Sarah, our oldest one, got all our attention. Problem is, we were living in the east, and, our, and Sarah and our parents were living out west. But our daughter would always would call. This happened for a while. We're, they'd have prayers with her at night. Sarah is a bright girl. She's always been. She's a freshman in college, but she's never had a B. I tell her the same thing. I never had a B either. <laughs> she's been student of the year in schools. She graduated from high school, summa cum laude. She's uh, in her first year at college, and she's on the high honor roll. She's never had a B. When she was two and three years old, she was smart too. She knew that when she prayed, if she prayed long enough, that meant she could stay up a little longer. And we were on the phone, and Sarah prayed about everything. And sometimes it made us laugh. But she prayed about everything, and it wasn't to be funny. She was very sincere. How neat that is when you have a child of like faith. It's, uh, it's just bare bones there, isn't it? Just pray and pray and pray. Don't doubt. It's in the Father's hands. He's going to take care of it. He listens. And we need to pray like that also. But remember the greatest need that we have. When we talk about being the great provider, is the provider of forgiveness of sins that you and I need desperately. This world needs desperately. The Bible tells us that our sins separate us from God so that he will not hear us. When we, it's found in the book of Isaiah. Our sins separate us from God. Those sins need to be taken away. Those need, sins need to be forgiven. And they were and they are in Jesus Christ. And not only can we now pray to him, we can expect. We can expect that in love he's going to give us the best answer possible. To me, us as individuals, to our families. Jesus forgives families of their sins. And he also not only forgives people, forgives families of their sins, 
he also lived for families. Jesus once said that he had come not to, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And how necessary that was. Because we have a God in heaven who is absolutely perfect. And if he settled for something less, well, then he couldn't be God. Because he would not be perfect. So what happens? Well, God says, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Well, who can do that? We're all sinners. That's why Jesus came. He came to live for all families. And that also meant keeping the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life on this earth. That's what Jesus was doing here. Actively obeying on our behalf because that was the plan of salvation. That Jesus would live on our behalf and die on our behalf that he would live the perfect life and credit it to us through faith in Jesus and, uh, and then take away our sins by having the great transfer of all of our transgressions on him so that he could die and pay the wages of sin. Yes, he, he lived for all families and how we need that. <clears throat> I grew up in a family of five boys. Add on my father, six men, testosterone galore, and we fought. Now, kids, don't listen to me, your pastor, and say that yeah, I can do what pastors have done. It's not right, right? But we fought. We called each other names. We didn't always get along. Sometimes we even drew blood. But now let me, let me talk to you as people who were once children, you adults, and go back to early in your life, to your youth, and think of all the sins that you did, maybe breaking curfew, uh, thinking about your mom and dad that they didn't know anything, thinking about your mom and dad that they did all kinds of foolishness, that they made strange rules, and uh, all the times that you perhaps disobeyed them. But you know what? Jesus lived perfectly for all of that too. Besides dying for our sin and paying the wages of sin, he also credits you and me with righteousness. His holiness is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And God looks us at us now as perfect people. That we kept the fourth commandment perfectly because Jesus did on our behalf. And then the last thing, look at the example that Jesus gives us. And what I mean by that is this. There he was on the cross. And in his pain and agony, Jesus looks down at his mother and looks down at John and he takes care of his mother. And what a nice man John must have been to take care of, uh, of Mary when he was no longer there. Jesus was no longer there. My last congregation uh, that I served, and I think I might have said this before, um, I did a lot of uh, work in nursing homes. I, I went to two nursing homes, and then we had a, an adult daycare that I went to, had services. And then we had two assisted living 
situations, just small houses where they had about six people in each one of the houses. I always enjoyed going there. They'd bring all the people to, uh, to the front into uh, the, the kitchen or the dining room and we'd sit around the table. And I'd sit and talk with them for a little bit and then I'd, uh, I'd uh, have, let's, let's sing some sim hymns and stuff and then I'd have a devotion and then I'd pray and then we'd leave. Got to know the aides that took care of these people. And they kept telling me the worst thing that they see in it all is this. That while these people are there, people's moms and dads, nobody came to see them. Nobody came to see them. I'm not saying there weren't exceptions. But many never saw their kids again. That's sad, isn't it? God tells us, he told, he told Mary and John, Behold your son, behold your mother. And I say to you, parents and grandparents, Behold your children and grandchildren. And to the children and grandchildren, I say, Behold your parents and behold your grandparents. Take care of one another. Encourage each other. Talk about the very things we talked about here today. How Jesus died for all families. How Jesus lived for all families. When you do that, you'll have homes, truly, that are blessed at the cross and by the cross. Amen.